Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast today. And as I promised, we are concluding a little mini-series on Fatima 2017. And today I'm going to be talking about two things that are very closely related. The historical context of Fatima. In other words, we're going to look back to its origin. And then we're going to look at practical applications from the apparitions at Fatima. In other words, we're going to look to the future. And by having these two coordinates, so to speak, both the historical context from the past, the practical applications for today and in our future, we can get a full 3D picture of how this great event of the 20th century applies to us today in the 21st. I'd like to begin with the unforgettable sentence from Pope Benedict XVI at a mass attending a half million people, he said this on May 13th, the year 2010, and I quote, We would be mistaken to think that Fatima's prophetic mission is complete, unquote. You know, many so-called Fatima experts, including some of my contemporaries on Catholic radio and everything else, said, you know, it's all the past. Well, it, it does apply to the past. Don't get me wrong. But it also applies to the present, and it also applies to our future. Fatima's prophetic mission is not complete, according to Pope Benedict XVI. Last time we were together, I mentioned that it was not a coincidence that St. John Paul II, when the third secret of Fatima was revealed in the context of a Mass, it wasn't by mistake, it wasn't by chance, it wasn't by coincidence that he referred to Revelation chapter 12 in his homily, the great sign of the woman in Revelation chapter 12, the woman assisted by St. Michael the archangel and opposed by Satan. And it's very interesting that at the 50th anniversary of the apparitions in Fatima, the first one, Pope Paul VI also referred to that woman in Revelation 12. Today I'd like to look at the context of the Fatima apparitions, and I'm be quite honest, I'm kind of going back to my training in Scripture, where if we were interpreting a message, a passage of Scripture, we would get a huge, big, fat F if we just took the message and isolated it from its surrounding context, in other words, the paragraphs before and after, from the author's background, from the historical background, the cultural context. In other words, the context is the way you make sure your interpretation of meaning is accurate. So, What's the context of the Fatima apparitions themselves? And for that, we go back to Benedict the 15th. Now, make sure you heard what I said. I didn't mispronounce that. 
Benedict the Fifteenth, not the Sixteenth. Benedict the Fifteenth was our Pope in 1914 when the horrors of World War I were taking place. Pope Benedict the Fifteenth said this in 1914. Certainly, those days would seem to have come upon us of which Christ our Lord foretold. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That's Jesus' eschatological or prophetic discourse in Matthew 24 he's referring to. He goes on. On every side, the dread phantom of war holds sway. The combatants are the greatest and wealthiest nations of the earth, well provided with the most awful weapons military science has devised. They strive to destroy one another with refinements of horror. There is no limit to the measure of ruin and of slaughter. Day by day, the earth is drenched with newly shed blood and is covered with the bodies of the wounded and of the slain. Unless God comes soon to our help, the end of civilization would seem to be at hand. Pope Benedict XV tried everything in his power to bring an end to the slaughter of World War I. And in many cases, these were Christian peoples slaughtering each other. Pope Benedict XV wrote against that slaughter in World War I. He pleaded with the nations to stop the horrors of war. He tried to intervene. He tried diplomacy, and then he just gave up. And in May of 1917, he turned the whole thing over to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he urged all Catholics throughout the world to turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary and ask for her intercessions for the end of this carnage called World War I. Eight days later, the Blessed Virgin Mary appears to three shepherd children in Fatima, Portugal. Folks, do you see how important context is for meaning? Now, Fatima's message, and I'm not an expert on Fatima, but Fatima's message is certainly comprehensive. But a part of that message, the context, you would just have to miss it. Eight days after the Pope, the first in modern history to oppose world war with the Industrial Revolution's weapons for massive slaughter and combat, the first pope to do that, trying everything he could. Then he basically gives up and says, I'm turning it over to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And eight days later, she appears on earth. This is astonishing. And so we would be amiss if we missed the immediate context of Fatima being world war. And we do know from the messages of Fatima, there were direct references to World War I and to World War II. That's part of the historical context of Fatima. Pope Benedict says 
we would be mistaken to think that Fatima's prophetic mission is complete. Well, I'm going to add 2 plus 2 and come up with World War Three. Why? Because that's part of the whole apparitions at Fatima's context is World War. Now, people would say, well, the Cold War is over, Steve. Well, yeah, it kind of is. But then again, it isn't. Here's something that was presented on the news. It's no big deal. People talk more about Donald Trump's hairdo than they do about this. This is the Terminal High Altitude Area Defense System called THAAD. You've heard about it. It's just been installed in um, South Korea. Uh, same saying it's, it's pointed at North Korea, and it is. But a lot of folks uh, like me, a little rusty in their geography, I had to look, well, who's on the northern border of North Korea? China and Russia share that border. And their missiles can be countered by the THAAD system. The U.S. has also put anti-missile missiles in Poland, pointed at Russia. Okay, well, what does President Vladimir Putin say about all this? He says this. The U.S. is developing an anti-missile defense system which, when it is operational, there will be a moment in time when our entire nuclear capability will be neutralized, which means that the entire global balance of power will be overturned. This means one of the powers will have absolute security and be able to do whatever it likes in regional conflicts. We are talking about unrivaled power in global conflicts. This system forces us to create weapons that can nullify the system asymmetrically. And in response, China and Russia have developed a large-scale buildup of nuclear weapons, including intercontinental ballistic missiles that have 10 warheads. So if it's coming over the ocean or over the poles towards the U.S., let's just talk about the eastern seaboard. Rather than hitting, say, Washington, D.C., one missile can hit Washington, Philly, New York, Boston, and several cities in between. In other words, 10 warheads on one missile. They have also have missiles that will take out our satellites and Russia, China, and North Korea have developed special weapons for the electromagnetic pulse. It's a byproduct of a nuclear explosion. It doesn't have to be a tremendous nuclear explosion, but they found out that if you explode a nuclear weapon above the surface of the Earth, there's a very strong magnetic pulse that will go out and basically, in one to three seconds, there will be no electric power, no computer chips, no cell phones, no TMs, no ATMs, no cash registers, no water delivery, empty shelves at the supermarket because there will be no resupply. If you want to read about this, uh, Ted Koppel, who many of you remember from the evening news, wrote a book describing this entitled Lights Out. You might want to survey a copy 
if you think there's no threat at all, that the Cold War is something from the past and Fatima is something from the past and there's no threat of world war and there's no need to turn to the Blessed Virgin Mary and pray for peace in a very specific way. And if Ted Koppel's book isn't for you, because it's basically like a news report, he's very systematic, he does it like he's doing an evening news report, except it's a whole book, there's a novel entitled One Second After. That's a lot easier reading for those of you who don't like just reading more textbook type books on things. Uh, The book One Second After was a New York Times bestseller. It was a book discussed in the Pentagon, and it was a book cited on the floor of Congress as a book all Americans should read one second after. Now, what am I saying about all this? It's simply this. Don't bury your head in the sand. World War is the immediate context of Fatima. Pope Benedict XVI says its prophetic message isn't simply all past. There's relevance for our day. And I'm not saying that's all of the message of Fatima, but it's pretty significant since it's the primary context that gave rise to Pope Benedict XV pleading with heaven, pleading with Mary to bring peace among nations in World War I, and she shows up eight days later. That's, to me, uh, unparalleled in human and redemptive history. I don't know of anything that comes close to this. So Jesus said, watch, and you know, we always are supposed to watch. We're to live in anticipation of Christ's return. We're to live on our guard against the temptations of the world that slowly want to suck us in away from Christ. You know, I've even read some otherwise good accounts of Fatima. I just read one this week. It was tremendous. It started off with Pope Benedict XV, which is the original context of the whole thing, as I described. He turned it over to Blessed Mary. Eight days later, she shows up on May 13, 1917. Fantastic. World War I shortly ends, uh, warnings within that about a second world war, very specific historical context of war, basically the, the history, the unfolding of the message of Fatima, World War I, World War II, and then mush. No discussion of a possibility of a World War III. It's just peace, but peace left very abstract. Peace in a way that, you know, peace is, uh, I remember the hippie movement, you know, you put up your two fingers, peace, you know, it it's, kind of gets emptied of its meaning if you don't put it in its context. And it's just not peace in a sense that it doesn't mean any. It means a whole lot. It means something so serious that God in his mercy sends the Blessed Virgin Mary to Fatima, Portugal. And we can just turn around, forget the historical context, make it very abstract and say, well, there's really no problems in the modern world. Really? So I promised you that we tried to get some practical applications here. But one of the things I just need to mention is that when we talk about peace, and that's what we're praying for, you can be 100% for peace and 100% for a strong national defense, okay? You can have 
both. A lot of Christian peace activists only can take one side of a two-sided coin, and as a result, it's rejected by many people. We want peace and a strong national defense. But some other practical applications, I promise, because what do we do with all this? Now, this might sound a little surprising, but to young people, I just give you a heartfelt plea. Don't be a pothead. Uh, Pot puts you into a spiritual stupor, okay? I smoke pot. I'm not proud of it. And I inhaled, unlike Bill Clinton. And it, it, it will literally choke. The smoke will choke your spiritual life put you into a stupor, you will not be capable of the spiritual alertness necessary for the days in which we are living. Jesus said, watch. And if you're a pothead, you're going to just be in a stupor. And right along with pot, you think, oh, gee, I'd never smoke pot. Are you addicted to your screens? Because that's an addiction too. You go through airports these days or walk down the sidewalk People aren't looking anywhere. They're not looking at the trees and the sky and the clouds or other people. They're just looking at screens. Okay, watch your screens, an addiction to your screens. You're not going to be watching the way Jesus said to watch. Or if your eye is always attracted to the latest thing, you got to go out and buy. Consumerism, that's, that's just to take your mind off the ball. Watch. Keep your eye on what's going on in our world. Read some kind of news that isn't just uh, pablum on the major networks and maybe even the uh, uh, phony debates on the so-called conservative networks. Drill down. Get some real news. Find out what's going on in our world. Dig into what the scriptures teach as far as what we should be doing. Listen to what the popes are saying. Read their writings. Okay? Now, Here's a biggie. It says in Revelation 12, and remember, there have been multiple references to Revelation 12 in the context of Fatima. And again, what we're trying to do is learn how to live today and prepare for the future based on the historical context. And if repeatedly Revelation 12 comes up, well, maybe we should be paying a lot of attention to us rather than just saying, you know, it's a Fatima anniversary or something like this and just going on our ways. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, it says this, the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before God. This is phenomenal. This is a picture of Satan coming into the court of heaven, and he's acting as a prosecutor against God's people. And what does he do? He does not stop. He's obsessed with accusing God's people day and night before God's throne. Well, we read in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan is tossed out of heaven. Thank you very much. But then we read five verses later this in Revelation 12 and verse 15. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. Now, the the woman in Revelation 12, the icon of the woman is the Blessed Virgin Mary, but it includes 
her children. Uh, they're not disconnected. Uh, if you are a Christian, you are a beloved disciple, and hence Mary is your mother. That means your family. And so when the, it says that the serpent is going after the woman, he's going after the church. And what is he doing? He's doing the same thing on earth as he was doing in heaven, day and night. Okay, when something comes out of a serpent's mouth that's really bad, it's called venom. It's designed to kill. It's designed to kill the spiritual life. And what is the venom? It's the condemnation, the accusations that Satan lands against the people of God. Do you know why? Because I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. We're all sinners. God's people blow it. God's people sinned, and if we say we have no sin, we're liars. That's why we need to get to confession. But you have to be trained for the days in which we live, because there's a particular intensity that Fatima is trying to say, that Pope John Paul is trying to say, that Pope Paul VI was trying to say, okay, the serpent is pouring out the condemnation like a flood. And if I could just make this very specific in, in its practicality, I can't help but think, but the pornography plague flooding the, uh, the church, Protestant men, Catholic men, and women now by the millions have been drenched in pornography. And do you know what happens? Shame and condemnation. God can't love me. I just wrote a book entitled um, Young Men Breaking Free. It's a second edition of my Breaking Free series. And in the opening, I have a scene of spiritual combat, just like Revelation 12. And the job of the demon is to make the Christian feel like that kid's movie title, Despicable Me. God could never love me. And on purpose, I conclude that booklet with the words, Jesus loves you. Jesus came for sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Satan wants to separate us through condemnation and accusation from the love of God. Conviction, which is from the Holy Spirit, drives us to Christ for forgiveness. Now, if you're not prepped for this day, and particularly if you're a parent, before you're child turns 13, they need to be equipped with the weapons of spiritual warfare for Revelation 12, for Fatima 2017. It says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. We're sending our kids out in their own might, and they're wondering, why are 6% of Catholic young people falling away in their 20s? <laughs> they're fighting in their own might. Put on the full armor of God. It says, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. So you have to have the armor of God. Well, what are some things I need? Well, in verse 16, after mentioning several things, besides all these, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming darts of the evil one. I promise you, I promise you, your children in the 21st century are going to stumble into sin. And I promise you, utterly promise you, 
they are going to have arrows pointed at their hearts of condemnation. I promise you that the serpent is going to pour out floods of condemnation and slander against your children. And unless, and I promise you this, unless you give them the equipment to withstand this, they will not be able to stand. But with the equipment, with the shield of faith, like here's one, this is one that, again, you don't want to let your kids become teenagers without Psalm 103, starting in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor requite us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Imagine two F-16s on a runway, and one's pointed east and one's pointed west, and they get the control tower, says, go, and they both take off as fast as they could, mock speeds. That's our sins being taken away. As far as the east is from the west, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Many of you know I was a pastor, and I thought people's needs were very, very, very complicated when I was a young pastor. And after about eight or nine years, I figured out probably the most important verse I could share with my congregation, and I shared it every Sunday. It's one single verse from that little letter, 1 John, which is right uh, towards the end of the New Testament before you get to the book of Revelation. 1 John says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If your children have this, and the shield of faith isn't something left behind in the Bible that's not read, or it's simply something they heard in a catechism class. But if 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 is in their hearts, okay, they will have a shield. I promise that, that they will have guilt. It's just we're fallen human beings. I promise they will have arrows against their hearts of slander and condemnation from the evil one, and it's going to intensify in the day in which we live. It's part of what's going on in Fatima. And I also promise you that God is capable of giving them the strength they need for the day in which we live. That's what Fatima is all about. You've been listening to Faith and Family. I'm your host, Steve Wood. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.